are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Back to the podcast. This is your host Bianca and Chantal. And today, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a hot minute. I feel like I didn't even know how to intro this because it's been so long. Well, it feels like it's been long. Life has been crazy, like actually crazy. It has. Um. So, as promised on our last episode, um, uh, I was thinking that we do the last two episodes for the year kind of as like wrap up 2019 and talk about like how to move forward into 20 um, and kind of maybe just give our listeners some like, I don't know. I was just kind of like hoping that we can like share. I, I don't know. I always have like rituals and stuff that I do going into the new year. Um, that helps. So Bianca's a witch and she just wants to <laughs> recruit everyone else to join her coven. <laughs> That actually sounds like fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just to kind of give like some rituals and stuff, you know, other than let's just like make 20 goals and make sure you have all of them come true. Like, I don't know, some real shit that like people can use. I thought that would be cool. Um, and then Sean, you wanted to share some stuff from a book that you're reading, right? Yeah, I want to talk about how nice I am <laughs> and the impacts on my nervous system and society. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it (laughs) right okay so I think we'll start with um like I don't know I was thinking of just sharing some of the things that I do leading into the new year especially 2020 seems like a big one like even just looking at those numbers I feel like I'm like I need to like get my shit together I don't know why but that's how I feel um why is that like let's just explore that for a second I don't know is it because 2019 was just felt like unsettled to you? It didn't feel unsettled to me until like the last part of 2019. Obviously, it was like a crazy, but I don't know that it felt unsettled. I actually, it's funny because I was looking at, um, I had written in 2018, I guess in January, or December, sorry, I was writing down like all the things I wanted to accomplish. And then I got rid of the paper. I don't know where the hell I put it. And then as I was moving and going through all my stuff, I found it right before I was moving, like maybe a week before. And I had accomplished literally everything on that list. And I was, wow. seeing, you know, I was seeing this in the last podcast. Like some of them were not big things. Like in, for once it wasn't like this big grand list. It was like little things that I really wanted to do, like start my Italian class or like, I can't even remember. There's a bunch of stuff and move and like a whole bunch of stuff. And um, when I looked at it, like I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't seen it. And I was like, holy shit, I actually did all this stuff. But what I had mentioned on the last podcast was that I was like, <laughs> even like you think in writing it, like I'm right. I remember writing it out and being like, oh, when I have all of these things, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> and then I'm just like, it's, it's like all that was so like evident to me as I was doing it was like, just because you have a bunch of accomplishments and you check all these things off the list doesn't mean you're going to be any happier. Like that's, yeah. that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's great. And I'm proud that I like accomplished a lot of those things, but in accomplishing those things doesn't mean that I'm fucking any happier than I was at the time that I wrote them. Yeah. You're the same person. You're just doing something different. Yeah. But also I just think it's like, it again pointed out to me that like, I don't know, just 
reaching for all of these things all the time and being so ambitious to like want to get, get, get isn't necessarily, isn't going to make you fucking happy. And I know that conceptually, but it was interesting to see that sheet in front of me and then feeling like how I was feeling and being like, wow. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that information, but I just, I've been thinking about it a lot as I, the last few Well, months. I remember um, in our very first podcast that we did in this season together, we did it with Tommy Rosen and Kia Miller. Um, and you were talking about destination addiction, mm-hmm. right? And that that's so tied to goals of like, if I achieve this, I will be blah, blah, blah. And you know, like maybe there's not like an outcome or an end result that, you know, makes you have this massive shift and you feel like a different person, but maybe it's more about like, how did it feel to be in the Italian classes? If you actually like tune into how it felt in the moment, you know, there was like, there was feelings of bliss. Highlight of my week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's not like, oh my God, I feel so different because I did this. It's more like just acknowledging that in the moment of doing those classes, that is the gift. Yeah, it's not yeah. about where you're arriving at the end of the goal. It's like, how does it feel to work on the goal? Totally. And I think that's maybe why subconsciously I wanted to do this podcast and talk about like goals and like, you know, wanting to like write the, like, you know, we just all have so much pressure to like be like, oh, new year, new me and all of the crap. And it's like, I don't know, we all kind of want a nice reset, which I think there's, I think there's a great, um, value to that, to wanting to like reset and refresh and all of that. Um, but I don't know, I guess in just like accomplishing a bunch of things and accomplishing goals within your career and life, I don't know the, how you just articulated is, is, is exactly kind of like what, I don't know what I'm, I've been, what I've been grappling with is like, I'm so ambitious and I want to do all of these things, but then I'm also like, I'm, I know I'm not going to be happier in the doing of them. So I'm trying to find the middle ground, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's your word, neutral place. Yeah, this Yeah, <laughs> finding the middle path. Yeah, and I think like, you know, when we find that we're like in a state of just constantly reaching and like the ambition is really unba- unbalanced, we're like weighing ourselves down with all these goals, it's I feel like it's kind of a sign. Um, I'm going to get really spiritual here, but that you're like really at a point where it's time to connect with your like capital S self. Right. Cause it's like, it's like something doesn't feel right here. And I'm like searching, searching, searching. And Bianca, you and I both know this, like that like point of disconnection is disconnection with capital S self. So, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's like addiction, right? Like they say that people who have substance abuse addictions are are typically like the most spiritually, um, they have the ability to be the most like spiritually awake, um, but they feel so much pain in the separation Right. So they go, they go to using like substances or whatever. And then it's the same with like being super, super ambitious. It's just a distraction from wanting to be more connected and like interconnected to that higher level of consciousness. 
Do you think that there's a way to balance wanting to have those, like wanting, being ambitious and then the other side of it? Totally. Yeah. Grappling with two fucking sides of myself. Do you feel that ever? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because you can't like, it's like that whole thing of like, okay, I want to be like, let's say if you just want to devote your life to like expanding your consciousness and having this like deep spiritual path. And then you get on that, but you're not living in a, in a monastery or an ashram and you just basically let all your bills fall to the wayside and you stop going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like you become so stuck in the present moment that you lose all future orientation. So you lose the maintenance of your life. Right. So you really like, you really need to find the middle path and that's where goals are incredibly important. Um, and, you know, in the work I do around money, uh, we, tr- we try and do some work where we have this like balanced level of future orientation so we can do financial planning for our future. We can set goals for our future business. We can like, you know, kind of get a gauge on where we're going to be at so we can like map out plans accordingly. However, we're not like grasping at our future selves. We're still like living in the moment too. So everything comes to that middle path. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because that's exactly like what you just said is exactly how I've I've been feeling lately. I mean, I feel like this all the time. I think we all do. It's like, you're always picturing this, this, this future life and this future self and this future who Bianca and future Chantel or whatever, but you're failing to realize that the life is right here right now. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you just think about one time when you wanted something so bad or you set a goal and you achieved it, or you got that thing that you really wanted, were you a different person? No, you were the same person. Not you know? only and then I've had the, I've had the experience where I was actually disappointed because I wanted the thing too bad. And then when I got it, I realized I wasn't any happier. So then you get even more miserable. <laughs> Exactly. Well, this is like, this is so connected to the work that we do around like um, when someone is a workaholic or when they're overspending or, you know, just like this, like grasping and overconsuming. It's like, why are you doing that stuff? Like, what is that stuff a bandaid for? Right. You know, what's the, what's the real thing that you feel disconnected from? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's get back to your list. Like, so you have, you know, you, I'm, I'm unclear. Are you like into goal planning? Are you, is that something you do? do, Like what I usually do at the start of the year is I don't really like goal plan, but I do write down things that like, um, it's more of just things that I know that I've been like putting off that I actually really want to do. Like it, for instance, like my class or whatever, it is, whatever it is that I've like wanted to learn mostly and I'll write it down. And then another thing that I, that I did for the last few years was like writing down things that I want. And then um, instead of making it in, in, in like a goal format, like I'm going to have this done by this date. I'm more just do it like as an alignment kind of list. Like, am I actually aligned to that thing? Oh, I love that. If, if I want to lose 10 pounds or if I want to get more fit or if I want to become a boxer, if I want to do whatever that is this year and I want to, are you actually aligned to what it is that you're asking for? Yeah. You have a goal all day and all night. And that's why people don't accomplish their goals because you can have a goal and really, really want something. But if you're not aligned to the thing, aligned to the thing that you want, it's not going to happen. And if yeah. it does happen, it'll happen temporarily. I'm, 
I mean, I'm, I do that all the time, you know? How do you know if you're aligned or you're not aligned? So it's like, so the goal is out here and then you're over here and then there's things, I, I mean, I, could, I I like to use like the diet one as an example because it's easy for people to like digest and easy to understand because for me, that's what I kind of like, I don't know, that's, that, that's how it was introduced to me and I understood it really well so I could apply it to different areas of my life. So if you're, if you want, if you want to, lose 20 pounds in, in, in 2020. And, um, what are you doing every day? That's actually aligned to that goal. So it's actually just really tangible. It's not some like woo woo thing out in the world. Like mm-hmm. what are you actually doing right now? So you're getting up and eating Oreos every day. You're sleeping in late. You're not actually making the time to go to the gym. You don't have a trainer. You don't have someone to help you like whatever it is. Oh yeah. Actually, like is your behavior aligned? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when I write that down, like I'll, what I usually do is have it be like, I'll, I'll separate all the different areas of my life. I'll be like, okay, fitness, career, all of these things. And then I'll see if I'm actually, like I'll write down a list of what I'm currently doing and then what I kind of need to do in order to align to whatever that thing is. Ah, uh, and then I can imagine if you do it from that lens, it's like a daily check-in, like on every choice. Is this aligned with this goal? Right. And I guess if you do like an inventory at the end of the day, like let's say go back to the diet, right? Like let's say you want to eliminate sugar from your diet because you want to clean up your, you want to, you know, tone, clean, clean yourself up, purify yourself. Um, but you're eating sugar, like, I don't know, you eat sugar, 40 per, 40% of your meals have sugar, then you might say like, okay, well, my choices aren't totally aligned as for my daily inventory. So then you need to adjust your goal or you need to adjust the behavior. Yes. And then I also, I think another important part is sometimes even if you, okay, so now we figured out like, okay, these are the tangible real life things and you can see clearly, this is why I'm not getting to, this is why I'm at point A and I can't get to point B. But then as we know, we talk about this all the time, there's going to be things that you're doing and behaviors that you're doing every single day as a habit that are because of something else as to why you're not aligned to that goal and why you totally. are every single day. Right. So totally. then so that's just kind of the first step. And if you've like never even explored that before, then it's going to be definitely the way to start, I would say. But then sometimes you're smoking cigarettes and eating 40% sugar and doing all these things because there's some other stuff in the background that's going on in your life that you're not acknowledging or, you know, just straight up dealing with. Yeah. You love to ignore a lot of things and shove them under the rug, but it, that, those are the things that make you have these behaviors um, in your daily life that you may not realize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So understanding what it takes to actually achieve the goal. And sometimes what it takes is some deep mindful awareness of what the actual issue is that's causing the wrong behavior in the first place. Yeah. And I, and I talk to a lot of people a lot of the time, you know, they might message me about the podcast or just in day-to-day life that actually see, you know, the thing that might be holding them back. Like when you dig deeper, like you're smoking all the time and what it's the way you deal with your anxiety. But the reason why you have anxiety is because you have this horrible relationship with your mom and you know that that needs to, you know, there needs to be some healing there or some change or whatever it is. And so the thing that I've been noticing and then coming up against a lot when I talk to people and with myself, because we all do it is the knowing of that and knowing that that needs to change, but still not doing it. Mm. Right. So 
I don't know, it's my goal and like the work that I do. And even with myself in my own life is to like, let's get past that and like start actually dealing with the shit that's in front of us because that's how it's going to start getting healed and resolved. I just, I just find that, you know, it's, it's hard to have uncomfortable conversations with people in your life is what I'm pointing to. And those are the conversations that can lead to exactly what you want. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have space to even get to these goals because there's so much baggage. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That makes, um, that makes me just think about like keeping my goal list a little bit shorter so I can go deeper on the goals. Definitely. Yeah. And I've just, like I said this to you the other day when we were on the phone, I just like, I'm feeling lately, like I'm feeling like a heaviness on me again. And I hadn't felt that in a in a while. Like I just need to like do some clearing out that could be. And I was going to mention that um, prior to this episode anyway, like even just clearing out physical things from your face. Yeah. Just feeling very much like I need to like clear out shit from my mind and my life in order to make space for new things is that one of your year-end rituals it was like cleaning the space huge difference like yeah I I didn't even get to all of it but I got rid of like bags of clothes things that were sitting around for ages shoes furniture like I got rid of a lot of stuff and even just in doing that made me feel so much lighter because then it just you just look at all the crap that you accumulate and you're like I don't know. It, it does weigh down on your life, even though it's just stuff. Totally. I love that uh, as a year-end ritual, like clean a, clo- clean a drawer, clean a closet. Get rid. Yeah. Toss your excess baggage. Yeah. So I want to do another round of that again. I've gotten rid of so much stuff that I don't have too much to do, which feels also really great. But just like, even if it's just like going through your, like, like your finances, going through your bills, going through your paperwork, get rid of stuff that you don't need. Yeah. It does actually play a part in there being space for new things to actually come into your life. And I can tell yeah. you I've done it and it works. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a big one for me. Your end is just like really making sure I've kind of like, done some reflection on my finances for the last year. Um, Almost like I'm getting prepared to do my tax return, you know, but it's more of like a reflection of like, where did I spend? What categories were, where was I spending most of my money? Like, do I want to shift any of that? Um, Are there any like certain investments that, that I, I made in my business in the last year? And like, what were the, what was the outcome of those investments? you know, and just like doing some like past inventory. Um, And then for 2020, the next year, like really like mapping out my projections on a financial level for like my business and my personal life, you know, so that would include things like doing a vision planning session of like, do I want to do any travel in 2020? What does that look like? You know, how much money am I going to need to save for that? And just like, you know, having an idea of what the next 12 months looks like is I find it's just like, feels so good to start that the year out like that. And if you're, you're doing it from like the lens of financial planning, it. um, it really is kind of more of a holistic approach because it's asking you to look at like, what are all the things you want to do? What are the things you need to do? And if you do that properly, it's going to make you do inventory on your values. 
Right. And that's like, that comes back to what you're saying that your goals should be aligned, aligned with what? Aligned with your values. Right. And your behavior. Yeah, totally. For sure. And I think the, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, because I like wrote down all this stuff last year and then I hit it. I think it would be cool to like, I don't know how you would do that, but like do like a six month check in with that list. Because I'm not the type of person that wants to look at that every day because I, I don't want to, I, I just want to like do it and release it and let it go. And that's what I thought was so cool about it because I didn't even remember I had written all that and then I'd actually done it. So it's like you just release it and not obsess about it. Yeah. But it would be cool to like do a check in to see like where you're at six months in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much like the rituals that I do. Kind of just like get things on paper. Um, the last few years I've been doing like a meditation like during like New Year's, like the actual night. Yeah. As I'm into that. Going out instead of yeah. like partying because I just don't enjoy doing that. Do you go somewhere and do that with people or do you sit, you know, like oh, in a more the last few yeah. years I've like different classes? Yeah. It was amazing. I loved, I loved doing that. It was so good. Yeah. Do you believe in that? Um, you know, people say the way you spend New Year's Eve is, the, is an indicator of how the rest of your year is going to be? Well, pretty much because when I used to be a partying lunatic, I would spend the rest of my year doing that. <laughs> now that I meditate and hang out, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. What did I do? Oh my God. Last New Year's Eve. You want to know what I did? Tell me. I was in LA and I started the evening at Yoga West in LA, which is like a very iconic Kundalini studio. I went to see Guru Singh, who's like an OG Kundalini guy. And then um, at midnight, I went to West Hollywood and I rang in the new year at an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for this big, like, with like, I thought you were going to say you did the opposite of meditating and you went to some party or something, but. No, no, I did Kundalini and then went to AA with two of my girlfriends who are um, in, in the recovery community. I think it's just cool to mention this just because I feel like there's so much pressure on New Year's. I mean, and the yeah. whole hard period and seeing your family and who knows what that brings up, all the stuff. But um, I feel like it's just good to mention because I feel like there's, yeah, there's so much pressure for people to feel like they need to go out and like get shit faced and spend a bunch of money. And it's like, I haven't done that in years. And it's yeah, so happy that I haven't. Yeah. Like, there's other options. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, no. And then you like wake up January 1st feeling fresh, like not like a piece of shit because you're hungover, (laughs) you know? That's our quotable moment for this episode. (laughs) Don't you want to wake up and feel fresh? Don't you want to wake up and not feel like a piece of shit? (laughs) Well, what do you know? Okay, let's talk about this book you've been reading. Oh, Yeah. Have you ever heard of the School of Life? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, for the our listeners who haven't, it's um, this School of Life. It's a organization in London, and it they they have a bunch of classes and books, and it's all dedicated to like emotional intelligence, basically. So I love their books. I have quite a few of their books. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I picked up this book called On Being Nice. <laughs> and it just like spoke to me yeah. because, you know, we're, we're talking about like New Year's resolutions and like shifts that you want to make. And one shift that I want to make is um, I'm like, I'm so fucking nice. <laughs> It's so nice that it actually is like impacting me to a degree, you know? Okay. But why let's talk about this now. No, let's. <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> why do you, before we get into the book, why do you feel the need or why do you think like, because that's okay. We all deal with life in, 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 in our own way, right? Like, your way of dealing with it is being nice. Yeah. Why do you think that is and where do you think that's coming from? Okay. So I've been doing quite a bit of work on this over the last few years. And, you know, I would like to call myself uh, a recovering codependent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, one of the qualities or characteristics of being codependent is you're a people pleaser. You're nice. And, um, being nice is is a way to feel safe it feels safe to be nice and um you know there's there's obvious what why does it feel safe to be nice well because there's like obvious obvious um reasons why it feels safe to be nice and that is um if i'm nice um it's safe and people will like me right So that's like, that's what the obvious reason is. Um, But it goes deeper. And I actually started reading this book on being nice. Um, And I kind of had this epiphany last night that one of the reasons why it's important to me to be nice is because um, being nice is different from people who have not been nice to me that have hurt me. So, yeah, so like we actually see this a lot in the finance world. So people who have like been impacted by um, any like systemic injustice or, you know, they've had interactions with government or any systems that have made them feel like inadequate or, or created some sort of pain, they may develop this like avoidance to those systems, right? So if you grew up in poverty, you would look at like capitalists, you or you wouldn't, I'm not, I shouldn't say you would, but you could look at it like capitalism and like structures of business. And you would want to um, avoid being like that because you resent that way because of how you have your own experience. And right. so sometimes this can manifest into like avoidance qualities where it's like, And it can, if you have your own business, it can impact you in business. And we actually see like a lot of people who go into like the healing modalities for their work, they um, will, they could potentially be someone who like avoids making a lot of money. Like there's a sense of guilt around like being successful and making money because they don't want to be like the capitalists, right? So the way that they kind of create their own way and do it different is by, you know, like undercharging or showing up in this different way, but it has negative consequences on their own life, 
you know? So that's me. Like, I'm like, if I'm super nice, I'm not like the people who weren't nice that hurt me, but who's it impacting? It's impacting me. Why? Because I'm like, what? How? Well, because sometimes I can put myself in a position where I'm just like too nice and I get disappointed by people. So like my niceness comes with expectations. Right. So right. Yeah. So you're being nice too. Yeah, totally. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's also a fear of like living in my own fully expressed self. If I'm living in my own fully expressed self, which is sometimes like uh, communicating my preferences in a way that's more direct and not nice, uh, I might not be accepted. What does it feel like to not be accepted? Holy shit, that's terrifying. If I'm not accepted, I'm not safe. I'm abandoned. Fuck. Right? You know what I mean? So it's like, and these like little, like subtle niceties can show up in weird ways, like in like a a business arrangement, like, oh yeah, I can, I can do that for you. And yeah, I understand you're on a budget. So I'll just, um, I'll make it work for you. Right. You know, like, I just want to be a nice person. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Um, it's just really interesting to explore like our relationship with nice. And for me, especially like, you know, cause I, my, my go-to behavior is like, I just want to be pleasant and I just want to be nice. Okay. So what are you, what are you working on in terms of this now is what I want to know. Well, I'm reading the book, Bianca. God. (laughs) No, no, I mean... I'm practicing not being nice. I'm wondering like, what is it that you, how do you take that and like it without being unkind now is my whole point. Like, cause that's, isn't that what, that would be where my brain would go if I was working on this. Yeah. So working on something like that, I mean, obviously it's like constant trauma healing. (laughs) It's, it's, um, it's like stepping into your own, into your own power and like not playing small because when your go-to is just like, be nice all the time, no matter what, no matter how people treat you, um, it can be a form of playing small, right? Um, if your go-to is being nice, no matter how people show up and that is okay for your nervous system, and you're just like, you're taking the high road, but you're still allowing yourself to process what's happening and speaking up for yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But the problem is when you're like, you, you're like, your niceness is a form of being meek. Um, that's the problem. Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting is I have this program called trauma of money and, um, I have like 10 teachers on there. And, um, this has been work that I've been working on for years, right? Like pulling this together and, and, um, on the website, there's like all the pictures of the teachers. And I was like, basically like put myself in the bottom. But isn't it yours? Yeah. And then I had some feedback. They're like, why, why wouldn't you be like the first picture? And I'm like, oh, I want to like elevate everyone else. And and I just feel like that's the nice thing to do. And, and the person's like, 
it's coming across as meek. Wow. And like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's just, it's just kind of interesting to observe and, and, and it, and the niceness, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, like that narrative of being good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's have- the same thing, you know? Yeah. And my friend, uh, Jacqueline, I was just with her. She's a, she's a coach for entrepreneurs and uh, I was just with her in Whitehorse and we were working with this program called Entrepreneur. We were teaching a group of Indigenous entrepreneurs, but we were on this work trip. And, you know, when you're traveling with a group of people for work, you kind of go out for dinner and it's like, people are like, oh, I want to go here. And, and Jacqueline was talking about this on our Instagram stories today. She's like, I needed to prioritize my self-care. So sometimes that meant like speaking up and being like, I don't want to eat that. I want to eat this because that's what my body needs right now. And I was just like listening to her talk about that. I'm like, exactly. That's something that I wouldn't do. I'd be like, oh, we'll just go eat wherever you want to eat. I'm fine. Like you're vegan and you end up eating a steak. You're like, I just want it to be nice. (laughs) Dude, I ate fucking moose soup. While I was there. And I'm a vegetarian. What? Yeah. But you know what? I do have to say, like, it was medicine and the moose was, like, from the land. And, you know, my whole thing with, like, meat is but I don't you- like the mass per- production of it. But eating the moose to be nice, though. In the beginning, I was, but then um, one of the elders um, in the Indigenous community was talking to me about, because we were like on the land, I was freezing my ass off, and she's like, you you should eat this moose stew, it's like medicine, like this this um, moose meat would, like is medicine that has kept us warm from the inside out for like a long time, we've lived on the land without access to a lot of warmth. She's like, try this moose stew. And um, when she told it to me in that way, I just kind of was like, yeah, like I, um, it it felt good to eat it. But like when they first brought it out, I was like, oh my God, I have to eat this to be nice. You know what I mean? Versus being like, no, I, I, I don't, I actually don't eat meat. And I was like, thankful I ate it because my whole thing is, um, you know, I don't like to eat meat that's like mass produced. And I, I'm, I'm conscious of like the way that animals are treated. That is a completely different experience. But then when we were on the trip, uh, they had catered lunch and, um, in the North, a lot of people eat meat, like vegetarian art options are not as common and I was like some days I was like oh don't worry about me I'm good and I'd eat like a granola bar for lunch yeah you know and it just like Jacqueline just kind of pointed out today on her Instagram story she's like you know a form of self-care is like in those moments speaking up for what you want and not like being afraid that you're not being nice well, I mean, it's interesting that you're even talking about this too, because this isn't something that I generally struggle with. It can be in different areas of my life though. Um, I don't know if the word that I would use is nice. It would be more accommodating. Yeah. Um, 
And <laughs> since I've, I mean, of course, but since I've moved to the States, even just in the short time that I've been there, and I'm like, no, if you don't speak up for yourself here, there's too many people, you will get run over. Like, yeah. You can't do the like, oh, no, 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 kind of thing. <laughs> I'm from Canada. I'm so nice, eh? <laughs> I wouldn't even call myself the nicest person. <laughs> like, in terms of like, I'm, I, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't struggle with that as much. Like, I will speak up if I need something. But there are a lot of instances where I don't. Like, as yeah. my personality is, there will be a lot of times where I just, I do the same thing. And it's interesting that you bring this up because I've even noticed in my being there, I'm like, wow, I'm like being way too nice. Like I'm going to get run over. And I have. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) And I have. And there's been, you just have to stand up for yourself. And it's interesting because when you do it there, um, no one even bats an eye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm like, oh, I just like, I don't know. I spoke up about something. I don't remember what it is. Just little things day to day. And no, no one cares. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. It's just so interesting from like country to country, U.S. to Canada. Yeah. Cultural for sure. Yeah. Wow. You know, also uh, the accommodating thing too is like a big one for me. And, um, you know, this like whole, like keeping my, keeping myself so small that I don't need anything makes me worthy of love. Yeah. You know, so if I'm just like nice and pleasant and I'm not like high maintenance, I don't know. I have this weird thing about like, I never want to be called high maintenance and I never want to be called crazy. Well, I mean, I could see why, because that's what we're called as women a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The negative connotations that are attached to that. That's a whole other fucking subject. But yeah, I can understand Yeah. That. that for sure yeah so so it's super interesting just to explore like you know niceness and what that means um and you know my my default mode is to be kind and nice and I'll never that's who I am at my essence right but But there's a difference between being kind and being nice totally and it's also like is is this serving me right you know and that that's like that that's the mindful awareness piece of like is my kindness and being nice attached to trauma narrative or is this just like, I'm just being like kind and nice. And another thing that's so interesting in this book is um, they're talking about like these cultural um, currents Mm -hmm. that basically like impact our view of being nice. I want to read there's four and um it's just fascinating. So number one, the legacy of Christianity. So nice, but weak. So um, in like, you know, for centuries, Christianity was the single most powerful force shaping our intellectual horizons. And it profoundly committed to the promoting of niceness to the world. So, you know, like through like this three, through the, the lens of like this religion you know, it's a sin to not be nice, right? Um, however, um, uh, it also is linked to this like feeling of weakness. And then they talk about it through the lens of romanticism. So, you know, for the last 200 years, we've been heavily in- influenced by a cultural movement known as romanticism. 
And uh, for the romantics, the admirable person has been synonymous with the exciting person. So you have to be exciting to be admired. Someone intense and creative um, and spontaneous, someone who might upset tradition and dare to be forceful or even rude while following the call of their own hearts is considered exciting and not boring. The opposite of that is nice, boring. (laughs) And then um, the legacy of eroticism, nice but unsexy. So um, the belief that nice can't be sexually desirable because the qualities that make us sexy are bound up with the possession of brutal, domineering, confident edges at odds with the tenderness and coziness of the nice. Once again, an awkward choice presents itself between the pleasant friend with whom to go to the park and the dangerous companion with whom to disappear to in the dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) And it just like totally, it's so true. It's like, you know, like, oh, he's so nice, but like kind of boring. Like, I'm like really attracted to the guy that treats me like shit. (laughs) You're, you're, you're low key trying to point something out to me and I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, we've guys, we've got an expert on the show that can speak directly to this. Uh, Bianca, please tell us a little bit about your experience around this. (laughs) Tell us about the horses. How do you, how do you, but how do you, I don't understand. How do you fucking fix that when it comes to love, though? Like, if you're attracted to that. You're attracted to people who aren't nice? No, I want them to be nice, but then all the other stuff, too. The other, the other side of the coin, too. Well, that's, that's, a, that's the interesting thing about this book, is it, it's exploring, like, how you can be nice, but also, you know, show your full expression, which is sometimes being an asshole, i love it i can't wait to see this this uh you know i can't wait to see this version of Chantel in 2020 2020 i'm gonna be a bitch (laughs) (laughs) no but you really don't have to you have to you have to be exactly what you express is like I it's it's just so shitty because it's like as soon as we speak up and as soon as you have to be stern you're fucking called the bitch man it's so fucking fucked up yeah I know it is and so it's like how do you meet somewhere in the middle (laughs) my neutralness is just constant this year (laughs) but like how do you know middle of that without having to be called a fucking bitch I know. I think, you know what it is? I think it's like live in your own expression and be aligned with your truth. And if someone calls you a bitch, whatever. <laughs> there, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's another one, the legacy of capitalism, nice, but bankrupt. So this is kind of what I was talking about with the financial example. Like if people have been like, you know, they've had felt some sense of injustice from like capitalism, they might like be like, no, no capitalism, but then it might impact them making money. Mm -hmm. So 
To this charge sheet of niceness, capitalism added another indictment, presenting an interpretation of the world as a deeply competitive arena in which all companies were committed to forge continuous battle for market share in an atmosphere marked by ruthlessness, determination, and impatience. Those who succeeded had, in, had to know how to destroy the competition and how to handle the workforce without a trace of emotion. A nice person unwilling to squeeze wages or outwit an opponent would end up either bankrupt or in the mailroom. Fuck. Yeah. But you know what? Like, especially as women, I'm reading this book called um, Shakti Leadership. It's Mm -hmm. so good. And it's talking about like leadership in the view of the feminine. And, you know, it's not like it is very like male oriented to be in the state of like competition. And it's more like it's more of the Shakti view to be more collaborative. Yes. Right. And like we can be leaders and we can be nice and we can be firm, but in a collaborative way, you know, and it's not, it's not about competition competing like that's a very eurocentric colonial view like competition is capitalism like you can be wealthy and do it from a place that is more like divinely fed through like collaboration and lifting others yes yeah yes i love that love that thanks for attending my ted talk Thanks for attending our weekly TED Talk where we annoy you with a bunch of our emotional trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you guys enjoy. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it. Um, Don't forget to follow us at WCR Podcast on the gram. My Instagram is at I am Bianca Harris. Um, And mine is... Pardon? We haven't shouted ourselves out in a while. Oh, Yeah. So mine is at Chantel Chapman. My company is called at what the finance is. And? And at School by KP, an <laughs> online school for entrepreneurs. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we love each and every one of you that tunes into this podcast. Especially you, mom. <laughs> <laughs>